Welcome to the Mental Muscle Podcast. Quick nuggets of wisdom for happiness, efficiency, and meaningful living. Your thoughts need surgery and I've got the scalpel. My name is Ryan Howard. Episode 31. You and your partner should cheat on each other often. I know that's exactly what you hear whenever you go to counseling, or maybe if you've spoken to a psychologist or to a relationship expert, the first thing they told you was the key to creating a deeper level of connectedness, to experiencing deeper passion and emotion and love for one another, the key to creating that within your relationship is to cheat on each other more often. I know, I'm not the first one to tell you that. Now, obviously, I'm not saying it in the way that you think I am. When we talk about cheating, typically we're referencing one of the partners or even both partners engaging physically or emotionally with someone else outside of the relationship. And certainly in this situation, that is not what I'm referring to. I'm simply using this uh, concept, if you will, to push forth a much deeper ounce of wisdom. And so let me just give a disclaimer before I go forward. The whole reason why I'm having this conversation is because so many people have been reaching out to me and have been asking me about tips and strategies as it relates to relationships. I mean, and that makes perfect sense. We see so many people, whether they be in a new relationship and they've just been together for a few months or people who have been married with kids, struggles in the relationship field, in the relationship context, have existed throughout, both in small and long relationships. And so we struggle with them, but the question is why? I mean, if you wanted to be a businessman, you could simply go on YouTube and find a million businessmen in the exact field where you're trying to succeed. If you wanted to be a doctor, you could go watch someone else. If you wanted to learn how to be a faster runner, you could go find some videos on Usain Bolt. But if you want to create a loving, exciting, passionate relationship with another person, how many examples do you have in your life? Can you look around yourself and find people who are not only together, but they are happy that they add to one another's lives where they are not simply there out of attachment, but they are there out of a mutual desire and benefit from receiving one another's love. How many people have you seen in that scenario? For the large majority of us, the answer is not many. And it is for that reason that we struggle so often in this area. So the point of this conversation, the point of this episode, is to help us really see what are some of the things that really create a long-lasting, successful, exciting, passionate, and fiery relationship? How do we bring the commitment and safety of love and the urgency and sexiness and appeal of an affair and bring those things together in between two people to create an ideal scenario where love and emotional and romantic success can exist. How do we do that? That's what we diving into today, y'all. So you ready? Let's get it. Okay, I'm going to switch up the tempo on you real quick. I'm going to give this one a different vibe. No music, just me laid back talking to you. No editing, nothing like that, because I don't want anything in the way of the information I'm presenting right now. And plus, 
I just like it this way. Sometimes I want to just have a powwow with you when it's a conversation. It's a topic that I'm really passionate about. And I think that you'll be able to glean a lot of benefit from. So if my voice without some bass in the background is boring for you, I'm sorry. Just ride with me. It's going to be mad worth it. I promise. So let's let's get it right. So what I'm going to be referencing today, it's going to be based on this book called Mating in Captivity, which was written by Esther Perel, relationship expert. And the reason why I wanted to provide this as a means to add benefit to your relationship or future relationship is because in writing this book, Esther Perel looked at relationships from a very different viewpoint than we typically look at them. You know, we tend to put relationships in one of two groups when we speak about them. Either number one, we're looking at the relationship where they're having trouble. There's some huge red flags in the relationship, whether there's emotional abuse, character assassination, um, issues of mistrust. Um, let's say they're engaging in some unhealthy activities, like whether there's some deep alcoholism or whatever, and it's causing negative problems in the relationship that's ultimately making it dysfunctional. And so that then leads to their breakup or divorce. That's one group, the group where the relationship just sucks, right? Then the next one is we look at the people who seem to be perfect. You know, they're always going on trips. They seem to be in love. All their Instagram photos together. So lovey dovey kissy. Ooh, so happy. And they just seem to live happily ever after. We talk about those two groups. But when Esther Perel wrote Mating in Captivity, she hit this topic from a completely different perspective. She wanted to look at couples who were genuinely in love, who genuinely had real care and, and, and love and appreciation for one another. However, one or both of the partners still engaged in an affair. One or both of the partners still reached outside of the relationship for emotional or physical fulfillment in a way that didn't align with the quote-unquote contract of the prior relationship. So let's say one of the partners had a physical affair with someone else outside of the relationship, and then they went into Esther Perel's uh, counseling and they would say, but I love my partner. I genuinely care about my partner. They mean the world to me, but I went and had this affair. And that was where she felt intrigued. That is where she wanted to say, what is really going on here? Because it is obvious when negativity or issues or red flags or dysfunction leads to cheating. But what about when there's love present and the cheating still occurs? That's pretty much almost conveying that love wasn't enough. And if we absorb the concept that love isn't enough, that's pretty frightening and it's also pretty discouraging. It will make a lot of us think we might as well say screw it to this whole relationship thing. Because if love can't make it happen, if love can't keep the relationship stable and on point, then what else is there? And that's the whole crux of this is because we need to understand that there's so many dynamics that come into play when we're looking at individuals' behavior. When we're looking at people, the things that affect that person's behavior, the things that motivate them to act and to think and to perform in a very specific way, it's really complex. 
And so now you're taking two complex people and you're putting them into a situation where they're making an agreement with one another, where they're intentionally exchanging emotions and affection and care and responsibility with one another. Now you got really something. Now you've got something that's really complex. And I'm not saying this to freak you out. And I'm also not saying this to say, you know, being in a relationship is as complex as neuroscience. But what I am saying is we need to understand this complexity to be true so that we can understand the importance of applying some serious principles. So what are the things that she learned when studying these couples who were in love, yet cheating was still prevalent, yet affairs were still occurring? What did she find out? Well, needless to say, there's no way I'm going to be able to simplify what Esther Perel discovered in all of this research within just a few minutes of a podcast. But what I can do is I can give some key fundamental lessons that she gleaned from it. And I actually want to start off through presenting some quotes of my own that I've used to kind of summarize some of these concepts. So a relationship with love and no passion is like a mansion with no Internet or cable. You know, that that mansion can be safe, it can be cozy, it could be warm during the winter. You know, it might have a very comfy uh, bed in there and couches where you can lay down and relax. But with no Internet or cable, I mean, there's really not going to be much entertainment, it is there. After a while, you're going to have to leave the house to go to the movies or to go to the club or something. So that's quote one. And I want you to think about that. And now the second quote is, love is the answer, but it's not the equation. We tend to think of love as the in-all and end-all in the sense that obviously the goal should be love. When you have a relationship, that relationship should be like a tree and love is its fruit as well as its roots. Love should be the all-encompassing aspect of the relationship where it imbues how the partners interact with each other. It imbues how other people see the relationship. It imbues how they feel, how other people feel when they see those partners gaze in each other's eyes. There should be love there and that is prominent and it is very powerful. Powerful. However, even though it is the answer, it's not the equation. And so when we're talking about what makes a loving, optimal, happy relationship that lasts long term, we have to understand all of the variables of the equation and love is just one of them. So breaking this down, I want to make this really simple. We need to understand that every person is driven by their needs. You can be in a relationship with a partner and they can love you and you can love them, but your needs aren't being met. Just because it's not dysfunctional and it's functional doesn't mean that the relationship is optimal. You know, as humans, we actually have six needs and our needs are as follows. Certainty, uncertainty, prominence, love and connection, growth, and a need for contribution. Now, think about some of those. You can create a loving relationship where you have a few of those needs in a very prominent way. 
You and your partner can feel amazing towards each other if you both feel certain that within the relationship you know that you are there for one another, that you are each other's ride or die, that you will be there through thick and thin and that you will consistently provide care and do your best to bring effort to one another's needs. And that can be a thing that you can trust in that relationship. So there's definitely certainty. You might feel prominence. You do a great job of making each other feel important, that you feel valued in the relationship. There could be growth. You know, both of you are endeavoring to constantly improve, whether it be in your career, in your fitness life, what have you. You both try try to grow and evolve. And so those are three huge needs. And without a doubt, if somebody had those things in a relationship with the lack of dysfunctional red flags, those two people could fall in love, especially where there's chemistry and connection. But what about the second need? What about uncertainty? We don't think of uncertainty as a primary aspect of relationships. We think of uncertainty as a negative thing even. When we ask people, you know, would you like to know this? Would you like to know that? Would you like to know your future? Imagine if someone said, I can tell you where you'll be 20 years from now. How eager would you be to know that? We act like we want to know everything, but genuinely imagine if every second of your life was pre-known you knew ahead of time how every second of the rest of your life was going to go that would be cool for about two minutes and then it would get boring as hell because everything would be predictable there would be no spontaneity there'd be no surprise there'd be no fire and in lieu of that or rather with that missing with that fire and excitement missing it would lead to a very boring life. And so here we have a picture where you can create love in a relationship, but have not, but not have all of your needs met. And this is what happens so frequently. And she found that this need, uncertainty, so often led to people engaging in affairs, leading to people reaching outside of the relationship to do things. Now, obviously, people should have a sense of autonomy and a sense of uh, moral judgment and and a sense of restraint so that the second needs aren't met. They're not reaching outside of the relationship. Now, clearly, that is a very childish way of thinking if people can't keep themselves in control or at least communicate their emotions to the partner as opposed to just going out and performing a betrayal. So yes, that's obvious. But still, looking at this helps us to understand on a deeper level, how do we stop them from even getting to that point? Esther Peril says it this way, bring the fire of your affair into the safety and commitment of your relationship. Now, that's not saying to take the person they're having an affair with and bring them into the relationship. It's saying metaphorically that that fire, that excitement, that newness, that concept of the energy that is imbued in an affair, take that and bring it into your loving relationship with your partner. And so there's a few ways that you can go about doing this. Number one is spontaneity. 
If you're bringing flowers on February 14th, that's beautiful. If those are Valentine's Day flowers, that's great. But how about bringing them on a random Tuesday? How about bringing those flowers and in the flowers having a note and that note has a scavenger hunt or that note has a little game that you and your partner could play? How about having different ways that you surprise one another or having different techniques that you employ to simply catch them off guard? Because what I love to say is the way to make sure that your relationship has no end is to Perform and act in the same way you did when it started. That if you act how you did when it started, then the relationship will have no end. How do you act when you're first courting someone? You're doing things that are new. You're being outside. You're thinking outside the box. You're taking them to new places. You're having vivacious conversations. You're playing with one another. You're being enigmatic, yet exciting, yet welcoming and caring, all of these beautiful things. You put in your best effort when you guys have a date together. You don't just throw on that shirt in the bottom of your hamper. No, you reach for that good button-down shirt. You reach for that good dress. You make sure those eyebrows are threaded. And now this isn't about saying that you need to be perfect in order to have your partner be excited. But what I am saying is it goes back to effort, intention, and authenticity. Who are you being in your relationship? Are you acting like someone who sees your partner as someone you've already acquired and so now they're like old goods? Or are you still seeing them as the person that you are connected to that you're in relationship with, but you're still chasing them. Can you chase the partner that you've already acquired? I want you to think about that. Not chase in a way that you have to chase their love, but chase in the whimsical sense, in the sense that you want them to be, to feel wanted. You want them to feel desired. You want them to feel pursued even after the fact that you've already created a commitment with one another. You know, Esther Perel says this beautiful thing as it relates to spontaneity. She says, welcome me into your red light district. Welcome me into those secret spaces. Welcome me into those intimate spaces, those naughty spaces, those spaces that don't that you don't think about when you see the 45-year-old couple with four kids and they're sitting in the living room with their turtlenecks. No. Take me to those to those spicy places you have. Really show me what it is that gets you alive, what it is that makes you feel spontaneous. You can bring an affair into your relationship. You can have an affair with your partner. Esther Perel also says this. She says, I've had multiple affairs throughout my relationship. It just so happens that all of my affairs have been with the same man. And so I want to leave you with this concept. Are you constantly evolving? You and your partner, every single year when you look at each other, every single month, every single week, every single day even, every moment you have with one another, is an opportunity to evolve, an opportunity to be something new, that you can constantly change, you can constantly be different, to bring new pizzazz, new spontaneity. You know, um, one way that I could apply it is, 
and I'm not going to use the verbiage just because I want to keep it PG, but I'm going to, I'm going to be a little elusive in the way I'm saying this. That if you lay in one position with one another, that can get boring after a while. If you want to add some more excitement, you add in some more positions. So in the same way, now taking that application outside of the bedroom, you want to apply some different positions to your love. You want to apply some different positions to the activities you do together. You want to apply some different positions to the way you think and converse with one another. And so here's two little strategies I'm going to leave you with just to have a to, to have a little surprise, to have a little whimsy. And she actually uh, gave me both, both of these ideas when I was reading the book. I was like, oh, that's good. She actually recommends to her clients sometimes when they talk about needing to bring the spice back into the relationship. She says, okay, here's what I want you to do. She says, I want you guys to meet one another at the bar. Tell her to get there first. Tell her to be there at this time. Maybe leave a note in a place that she'll find it in the morning before she goes to work and have it say, Meet me at such and such bar at 7 p.m. And even if you really want to get dope with it, let's say you bought her a dress and you have the dress under the note and it's saying and wear this. And so she gets dolled up and she goes to the restaurant or the bar or what have you and she's there. And now you come afterwards. But here's what you're going to do. The two of you are going to act as if you're just meeting each other for the first time. Act as if you're just courting one another and really get into that role playing vibe and see how it feels. It may sound or feel strange initially. It may make you giggle, but just lean into it because what it's doing is it's upsetting the circuitry in your brain, those associations. It's breaking your perception of familiarity with one another. There's this concept called the law of familiarity, where when we experience something over and over and over again, it tends to lose its excitement. And so that happens so often in relationships. So try switching it up like that. Try doing something different. And then the last tip I'll give is she talks about communication. She says, open up a line of communication. Let's say if you guys text on your phones, maybe open up a direct message thread, just the two of you on your Instagram. And in this DM thread, that is a space for the lovers. You can't talk about your job in this thread. You can't talk about stress or the kids or or what bills you need to pay in this thread. The only thing that you guys converse about in this space is one another, about things that make you laugh. You might exchange memes about romance. You might send each other links to lingerie or whatever. That's a space for the lovers and keep that communication isolated because what it's doing is it's creating a disidentification and a separation between you two as the committed, responsible partners and you two as the lovers, as the excited partners that you are. And so I'm saying all this to say one simple thing. Love is crucial and it needs to be the foundation. You must be caring. You must be loving. You must be appreciative and and grateful for one another. And all of those emotions need to be exuded and through your actions, your actions need to be imbued with those emotions. However, 
you also want to make sure that while certainty is being met, the need for uncertainty is being met, that you're switching it up, that there's spontaneity, that there's spice, and that you're constantly evolving. So that when you look over your relationship for years and years to come, you'll be able to say that I've had multiple affairs throughout my relationship, but they all were with the same person. So as my concluding statement, the title of this episode, You and Your Partner Should Cheat on Each Other Often. I meant that very seriously. But the catch is, you should cheat on one another with one another so that the spice never leaves your love. There it is. You just listened to the Mental Muscle Podcast. You just took another step towards improving your life and facilitating success and fulfillment long-term. So if you've liked or enjoyed this episode, please like, share, spread the word, and leave a review. Let us know if you found something in here in this episode that was impactful towards you. Because we always love to have feedback, and ultimately that helps to motivate me to continue to produce more content. And so lastly, if you are a person that is looking for one-on-one life coaching, or if you are in a relationship and you're seeking relationship counseling, I offer online life coaching and I'd be happy to work with you. So if you are interested, you can contact me at ryan at mymentalmuscle.com. That's ryan at mymentalmuscle.com. Just shoot me an email and I'll be right with you. So I love y'all. Until next time. Peace.